Hello and welcome to A Good Walk Spoiled with me, Phil Perrin. And me, Ross Evans. For this walk, we're in Taunton, the county town of Somerset. For our international listeners, Taunton is in the southwest of England, not to be confused with Taunton, Massachusetts. Massachusetts? Yeah, well, what, what did I say? Massachusetts. How are you supposed to pronounce that? Don't ask me, ask Barry Gibb. Right. Of the Bee Gees. <laughs> Why? The Bee Gees sang a song called Massachusetts. Not heard it? No. Please allow me. For goodness, that's not winning any awards at the karaoke club. No, you say that. Anyway, don't forget, if you listen on our website, agoodwalkspoil.co.uk, you can see pictures from the day. Now let's get on with it. I can do night fever as well. I'd rather you didn't. Welcome to Taunton. We're standing outside the train station. I'd better make this quick because uh, Ross has just had an altercation with the guard. <laughs> mm. But anyway, here's some background information on the town. It's the county town of Somerset in the southwest of England. Population 64,621 as of 2011. Famous Tauntonians, Ross, include Deborah Meadham from Dragon's Den. Oh, yes. The actress Jenny Agatha. From the Railway Children, amongst uh, other things. Vivian Richards. Viv Richards lived here from 1974 to 1986 when he was playing for Somerset. Famous Antiguan cricketer. Oh, and how could I forget? A renowned former resident who flounced out of this fair town for the smell of grease paint and the roar of the crowd. And who may that be? You! (laughs) Yes, well, I was born in Taunton and my alma mater... St George's RC Primary School is just just around the corner. Your nourishing mother. <laughs> Our walk today is based on the Taunton Heritage Trail. The Taunton Heritage Trail celebrates over 1100 years of Somerset's county town's history. It's available to download from the Taunton Dean Borough Council website. There's two versions of the walk, the long version and the short version. The long has 69 points of interest, the short 18. 69 points of interest, I'm expecting big things from a town that has 69 points of interest. Uh, Well, our walk encompasses six points. We're going to cover six points today. Right, we're off to point number one in the centre of town, the Market House. Quick, let's go. Don't want to be caught by the train guard. (laughs) He started it. Our first impressions, it's quite a lot like many other market towns I've been. Uh, my voice went down then. Yeah, I, it, did, <laughs> it went down, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I didn't mean to sound unenthused. <laughs> Indeed, farmers markets, a lot of money spent on floral decoration, hanging baskets. Uh, yeah, I could see in my mind's eye a, a brown road sign saying historic market town with an acorn and an oak leaf. <laughs> uh, anyway, however... <laughs> yeah, we're here to explore some of the unsung gems of Taunton. Unsung gem, is that uh, relative of the president of Burma? <laughs> We're here at point number one, the Market House, a large building with a triangular pediment on top with a clock in the middle. A la Back to the Future. Yeah. It was originally constructed in 1772 in what has traditionally been known as the centre of town. The town market was held here until 1929. Just in front of the Market House, in the middle of the roundabout, you can see a Burma Memorial, which is dedicated to the dead of Prince Albert's Somersetshire Light Infantry. That's not the Second World War Burma campaign, it's the earlier 19th century conflict. They also participated in the 1839 war in Afghanistan, to which we shall return later. 
the uh, Somerset Light Infantry, raised by James II in 1685 to suppress Protestant rebellions led by the Duke of Monmouth and the Earl of Argyll. The Duke of Monmouth was one of Charles II's illegitimate sons, and we'll have more on the Monmouth Rebellion later as well. By the way, Charles II fathered at least 20 illegitimate children, of which he acknowledged 14. S six were unacknowledged? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Bad Dad. Bad Dad. Bad Dad sounds like uh, one of those Seth Rogen films, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, the king sits around on his throne watching lo lots of TV. Smoking joints. <laughs> Did they have marijuana back then? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure some enterprising merchant brought some back on a now forgotten journey. Yeah, yeah, it took him ages to get back. <laughs> he spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia discovering himself. <laughs> right, so that's the old market house and the Burma Memorial in the centre of town. We're now off to point number two, which, fittingly for the West Country, is the Cider Press Garden. Ooh, the Cider Press Garden. I'm, I'm intrigued and enthralled. And an alcoholic, which is always a bonus. <laughs> off we go. <laughs> making tracks to the side of Press Garden. Talking of the Duke of Monmouth, the building on our left, which is now a Cafe Nero, is a very old building that in 1685 became home to the Duke's Privy Council. Did you know Charles II tried to ban coffee shops because they're a hotbed of debate and discourse? I don't know that. Which ones did he try to close down? Starbucks, Costa, <laughs> Cafe Nero? <laughs> but the ban was roundly rejected. That's a pity. Uh, I wish he had got rid of those lot. When, when I was here, it, that was called the Tudor Tavern for a very long time. People native to Taunton, I think, will remember that building, the Tudor Tavern. It was the first pub I ever had a drink in. Okay. So you used to have an upstairs where you used to go and hide. And then you'd get, you'd get whichever one of your friends had the most facial hair to go and order, order the pints. <laughs> yeah, oh yes, everyone needs a bum fluff friend. <laughs> I, I've got to say, it's difficult for the young lads coming through now. It's far more, more clamped down on. Anyway, that's... Uh, that's neither here nor there. We've arrived at the Cider Press Garden. It's a small public garden next to a road and surrounded on three of its sides by various buildings. There's a few benches, some flower beds, uh, and in the centre, an old stone cider press. We're going to stay here for a little while and talk about some of the buildings we can see in the locality. Um, there's some roses over there. Very nice. Uh, oh, oh, the sun's out. No, 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 no. Oh, I think they're camellias. Camellia. Camellias, indeed. Look, that, look a little bit like roses, but they're not. <laughs> that's um, quite impressive horticultural knowledge. I, I think For, uh, you can you can distinguish between a rose and a camellia from twenty paces. <laughs> I'm not a professional. I no. can't say it wasn't a test to get into uh, the RHS. That was on uh, Gardener's World with Monty. Monty Don. <laughs> you picked that up off Gardener's World. Yeah. Would you describe yourself as an apprentice gardener? Very much so, very much so. A journeyman? I mean, that's <laughs> kind of travelly. I'm not a travelling gardener. Yeah. But a, an apprentice mm. to the master. I've never met Monty Don. No. But I imagine he's if it, I would be quite happy to be his apprentice. Monty, he's the Don. Okay, the first building we're going to talk about is directly across the road from us, which is the Gaumont Theatre, which is now a mecca bingo. Uh, well, the guy says... This cinema was erected in 1931 to 32 uh, to the Art Deco design of W.T. Beslin. Hello, hello, how's it going? You all right? Ooh, hello, you all right? No, you have me worried. What are you doing? We're doing a podcast. Would you like to uh, say a few words? I just st stood there and lit a cigarette up and I thought to myself, that's not people from the television over there. Film me lighting a cigarette up. 
<laughs> no, we're not. We've no cameras. There's no cameras on us. Have you just come over from the bingo? Yeah. How have you gone on today? <laughs> no, no, no comment. No, I didn't. I won yesterday. Are you, are you radio? Yeah, we're just making a podcast about Taunton. Yeah. Just Simon's on the radio Sunday morning. Oh yeah. My son's on the radio. Sunday. Oh really? Yeah. What's what radio stations he on? Orchard FM, is it still called Orchard oh, FM, yeah. the local radio station? Local yeah. radio. Mm. There we are, it's a lady who's just come from the building that we're, which we're describing. Phil, please continue with your, uh, with your information. So yes, the cinema was erected in uh, 1931 to 32 to the Art Deco design of W.T. Beslin. The sculpted panel depicting love and life entangled in film above the entrance is worthy of note. Spectacular it is too. It is nice, isn't it's it? It's slightly yes. weathered, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a nice building. It's a shame it's uh, no longer a... Or is it a shame? I don't know. But I like the idea of it being a theatre. It still holds the daily drama of the bingo. <laughs> it does, yes. <laughs> Indeed it does. It was also, may I say, the venue for two Beatles concerts in 1963. Wow. Uh, oh, uh, as you're a former resident of Liverpool, have you ever been on a, on a Beatles tour? I haven't been on, on the Beatles tour, but I used to live near Penny Lane. Oh, yeah. I used to live in Wavertree, Penn Pen Lane's not far from there. I do remember intriguingly seeing a, it was a yellow bus stroke boat, boat bus, often seen around the city <laughs> with tourists drinking inside, having fun, seeing the sights. I think it was called the Yellow Duck Marine. Is that a pun on Yellow Submarine? Yes, Yellow Duck Submarine. Duck Sub, that's, that's not even assonance, let alone rhyming. I went once on a Beatles tour in Liverpool, not an official one, my brother... Uh, dragged me and my mum round because uh, that's where he lives. We were actually jumped upon outside McCartney and Lennon's old primary school by a very excitable man in three-quarter length trousers. He was a previous employee of the Lennon family home, which is a National Trust property in Liverpool. But he was sacked from there for uh, dressing up as Sergeant Pepper and sleeping in John Lennon's bed. So he'd taken it upon himself to take people round on Beatles tours, whether they asked for it or not. Anyway, we gave him the slip round by Eleanor Rigby's grave. We actually uh, ran into him again on Penny Lane. And it was quite embarrassing. Lovely guy, I can't remember his name, but, but very excitable. There we are. Well, that's the Gaumont Theatre. And that's early Beatles, 63, did you say? 63. Anyway, there's a slight aside to the Gaumont Theatre, where it was the venue of Beatles concerts previously. That's across the road. On the left-hand side of the Cider Press Garden is Hunt's Court, now a cosy club. Yes, the cosy club, which is a chain, I believe. I think this is the original cosy club. This building, Hunt's Court, also used to house a gunsmith's. But that was a long time ago in the mid-19th century. 100 and 150 years between them. Between the shooters and the shots. <laughs> That's to our left. What we're standing in front of, in fact, Phil's got his foot on, is the cider press itself. Uh, the guy says, The Old Stone Cider Press was a gift to Taunton and its people from the Taunton Cider Company in their golden jubilee year of 1971. Taunton Cider Company has, for many years, been proud suppliers of cider to Taunton and its people. So it's a fine tribute from them to the people. There's a lot of cigarettes in it, isn't there? Yeah. Mm. That's his new use. A giant ashtray. His new use is a giant ashtray. Yes. Uh, Well, that's... um, Chewing gum adornment. (laughs) It's got that, uh, this kind of uh, mouldy growth. I I think that's lichen. 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 It's got lichen on it. Yeah, it needs a bit of a spruce up, I'd say. Need to revarnish the yolk. It's, it, it stays as an apple presser. Well, maybe they're not long gone. Who knows? I mean, yeah. may, maybe someone could. Bit of WD 40 in the middle there, might get it. 
going again? Surely they can't have still been using this in 1971. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly looks like it's something they've had lying around in the back of the warehouse. Can someone get rid of the uh, John. that large lump of stone you've got We there? need to make more space for the industrial side of that. We've got <laughs> Magnus on the phone. And while you're there, stop tying your dog up next to it. It's in the apple juice. <laughs> We're going to move on. That's the side of Press Garden. We're going to move on to point number three, which is the castle, which is in the centre of the town. It would take us two or three minutes to get there. We're going to leave the pleasant and quiet surrounds of the garden and go off to the castle. Off we go. I see you're without your tablet today, Ross. Yes, I've, I've got the paper copy today. You've exchanged 21st century for what? Well, Egyptian. <laughs> well, it's not Egyptian, papy- Egyptian technology. Papyrus is expensive. Do you know how much a ream of papyrus is? Have you just printed out an A4 paper? Mine's on vellum. Saw <laughs> <laughs> the stuff left over from the House of Commons. They wanted to ditch the use of vellum as a tool for recording legislation. Oh, right. They voted to get rid of it and then they voted back to keep it, so. Right, okay. Time well spent then. As always. As always. As always in the house. (laughs) Point number three, the castle. We're standing on Castle Bow, which is the road outside the castle complex. We're about to walk through the portcullis. This is the last surviving remnant of the castle's outer bailey. The keep having been destroyed on the orders of Charles II after the Civil War. Originally, this was the east gate to the castle and had a drawbridge. We're entering the portcullis now. Note the replica portcullis set into the original grooves. Oh, I'm just going to have a look at the grooves. It's always a bit scary standing under the gate, isn't it? Just in case it really does still work and you have to get out of the way a bit quick. I hope there's not people with boiling tar up there. (laughs) We're through the portcullis and then we're now standing within the walls of the old castle in the courtyard. It's quite a large paved enclosure. There's now a car park on the left-hand side, a few crenellated buildings, and the Great Hall on our right is now the Museum of Somerset. Ah, yes, there it is. I'm sure that this area in front of us used to be a green, the Castle Green. In fact, I'm sure it used to be a scheduled ancient monument because there was a Saxon burial ground there. Where's that gone? There's a a number of saplings on the left. Yes, looking around, it has all the hallmarks of uh, of a Millennium Lottery project. It does, yes. Brushed steel handrails and glass barriers. <laughs> Up lighters and decking. But you know, it's a pleasant enough public area. Uh, the portcullis which we've just come through, it actually makes up the first building we're going to talk about in this courtyard, on the eastern side of the courtyard. The Castle Hotel? Yes. The Castle Hotel was built around 1815 by the Eastern family as a private two-storey house. It was originally designed to mirror the Winchester Arms on the other side of the courtyard, which is another crenellated building. The Castle Hotel was first converted to its current use in 1834 when it opened as Sweets Hotel. Famous past guests have included the future Tsar Nicholas I in 1817, the Duke of Wellington in 1819 and the Emperor of Mexico in 1824. Tsar Nicholas I, mm-hmm. the Duke of Wellington, I would suggest world stage heavy hitters, the big leagues. <laughs> Emperor of Mexico, I don't know much about that chap. I don't know anything about I wonder, him. I wonder if he enjoyed his stay in wonderful times. Also, this is, this is post-Waterloo, Duke of Wellington as well. Stratospherically famous. Talking of world stage heavy hitters, Roscoe, well, certainly from a, a culinary point of view, <laughs> two more names for you. 
Gary Rhodes and Phil Vickery. <laughs> they started their they rise. They stayed at the hotel. They started their <laughs> rise to Sheffy stardom at this hotel. Hi there, we're recording a podcast about the history of Taunton. Hello. Can we ask you a couple of questions? Uh, it, can I work for the BBC? Is that going to be alright? You right? work for the BBC? Yeah. Well then, what do you do for the BBC? I'm a presenter. Uh, my name's Matt, BBC Somerset. Oh, no way. Nice to meet you, Matt and Ross. This is <laughs> Phil. <laughs> so, um, what, do you, what were you going to ask me anyway then? Well, well, uh, well first of all, we we're going to try and stun you with the fact that the Duke of Wellington stayed in that hotel. Wow, that does stun me. And, <laughs> the, and the Emperor of Mexico. Is that true? Yes, yeah. Well, true. I didn't know that. It's a stunning, it's a stunning hotel. And I know it's got a lot of history and also know it's got lots of dungeons and walkways underneath. When it's in full flourish as it is now, it, it is a stunning hotel. And I do know that the view from the top is awesome. You can see right across the, you know, right across the town. I didn't know it had so much, quite so much history though. That's incredible, isn't it? Have you ever been to the museum that's just over in the castle complex here? Yes, many times, many times. I think the most recent time I was there. Probably the, the, the Froome Hoard when they announced that. And, and I've got three children as well, so I take the children there quite a lot because it's free. And that's wonderful, as, as any parent will tell you. If you can find something that's free and open in the holidays, that's the place to go. So we go there quite a lot and they've always, you know, they can dress up and they can do all these things. So yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful place again. So. We're now heading to the northern side of the courtyard. We're leaving the hotel behind. And we're now entering the Great Hall and apparently the inner ward of the castle. Mm which is walled off from the rest of the complex. The Great Hall and Inner Ward is now the Museum of Somerset. Have you got your Norman Castle glossary to hand? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we've got it. What's an Inner Ward and uh, what's a keep? A ward is a courtyard enclosed by a wall. The Outer Ward is what we're standing in. The Inner Ward is inside that and houses the most important buildings in the castle, such as the keep and the Great Hall. A courtyard within a courtyard. Yeah, and the keep is a large fortified tower in the centre of a castle. Okay, now that's cleared up. We mentioned the Monmouth Rebellion earlier. We're now going to go into the museum and talk to Tom Mabry, who will tell us a bit more about the Monmouth Rebellion and the subsequent Bloody Assizes. Let's go. We are standing in what used to be Taunton Castle, but is now the Museum of Somerset, with Tom Mabry. Tom, you're the... Chief Executive of the Southwest Heritage Trust. Excellent, and we're standing in the Rebellion Gallery, is that correct? We are, yes. We're in what we call the Rebellion Gallery, but which is a, a vaulted undercroft space dating from the 12th and 13th centuries. And the reason the gallery is here is because this is where some of the prisoners were almost certainly kept uh, in advance of the Bloody Assizes in 1685. What was the Monmouth Rebellion? The Monmouth Rebellion was uh, an attempt under the leadership of the Duke of Monmouth, who was the first and favourite but illegitimate son of Charles II, to overthrow his uncle, James II. It happened in 1685, which is the same year in which Charles II died in February that year, and James II came to the throne. James II was a Catholic, and that was the basic heart of the argument. The Duke of Monmouth and those who supported him, which was a lot of people in the west of England, didn't want to be ruled by a Catholic monarch. How did the rebellion develop? Monmouth, with his growing rebel army, marched northward from Lyme Regis, uh, eventually reached Chard and then Ilminster and then a week later on the 18th of June he arrived in Taunton where he was greeted ecstatically. Flowers were strewn in his path. It was as if 
uh, a new Messiah had arrived, the person who was going to save them from a Catholic king, from a Catholic destiny. He marched onwards by a long and circuitous route that took in Bridgewater, Wells, uh, Norton St. Philip and other places. But instead of either striking out to take Bristol or striking eastward to take London, he doubled back. Either he lost his courage or he knew that uh, his situation was very difficult. He landed up in Bridgewater with the Royal Army gathered at Western Zoyland. Uh, the Royal Army was in a much better position to win the day, and indeed they did. What happened to the Duke of Monmouth after he lost the battle? Monmouth fled from the battlefield. He stayed there, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a cowardly flight. He, he stayed there almost to the bitter end, but he did flee. Some soldiers found Monmouth hidden in a ditch under bracken and furs, and he was taken by slow stages to London and handed over to the king. And on the 15th of July, before a great and silent crowd on Tower Hill, uh, he was beheaded. We've moved into another part of the museum called the Great Hall to talk about the aftermath of the failed rebellion. Tom, what happened here and why is it significant? Well, the Great Hall is uh, in origin a 12th century structure, but it was modified in many centuries thereafter. And in 1685, it was the Assize Hall. It was one of the, one of the uses of the hall was as the setting for the Assizes. The bloody Assizes happened in September 1685 when Judge Jeffreys went on circuit from Winchester to Dorchester, Taunton, Wells, Bristol, to hear those who were accused of high treason for their participation in the Monmouth Rebellion. The most famous session of the Bloody Assizes probably took place here over two days in September 1685. And over two days, hundreds of prisoners were brought before Judge Jeffreys. 144 of them were sentenced to be hanged, drawn and quartered. Most of the rest were sentenced to transportation. So the Bloody Assizes as a whole, if you take them uh, over the various places where the sessions uh, of the Assizes met, led to more executions for high treason as a result of a, a single event than in the whole history of the sentence uh, for high treason from the Middle Ages to the 19th century. It was an extraordinary moment in the whole judicial history of, of England. We're just leaving the museum. That was a very interesting chat with Tom. Mm. We'll have to make the full interview available online because I'm sure we'll end up having to cut some of it out. And we're now walking back out onto the plaza. Is it a piazza or plaza? I say piazza, you say plaza. <laughs> Let's cool the whole thing off. <laughs> uh, yes, in answer to your question, I don't know. I think that's one for our sister podcast, Off the Beaten Track. Yeah, we'll, find sure. out, we'll find out whether this is a plaza or a piazza. We shall look it up. We will. Okay, that's the castle. We're now going to exit whence we came. Mm. That's the correct use of the word whence. Off to our next stop. St. Mary Magdalene Church. Let's go. What's it like being back, Ross? Back in Taunton, the home, the old homestead. Memories <laughs> in the corner of your mind. <laughs> I just uh, quickly turn Misty watercoloured <laughs> memories of the way we were well, we, we were never here I've never lived in Taunton in fact this is no. only I think the second time I've been to Taunton this is rapidly descending into a karaoke tour of Taunton which is it can only be a bad thing 
That actually reminds me, when I was uh, younger here, at the primary school I mentioned at the beginning of the walk, St. George's, the affiliated church, there used to be a guy who did mass in there called Deacon Trevor. A deacon's like a, a lower level priest. And he had one of the most inconspicuous toupees I've ever seen in my life. It used to regularly migrate around his head. From the Eucharist to the communion, it had gone all over the place. <laughs> I wonder what he's up to, Deacon Trevor. He's probably a bishop by now. See, if he was if he was sad and he was a deacon, he'd be Deacon Blue. <laughs> that's a reference to 80s... I don't know what that is a that, reference that's to. That's a reference to 80s pop group, Deacon Blue. <laughs> right, OK. The sad deacon. I mean, I presume it was him sort of adjusting it, but it might have been an act of God that was moving his toupee around. I don't know. God didn't like the toupee. No. <laughs> We're walking into the graveyard next to St. Mary Magdalene Church. We've got a lovely view of the ecclesiastical structure. The peace and tranquility <laughs> of the church. Yes. The guide says there's been a church on this site since the 12th century. The magnificent 163-foot tower was rebuilt to its original design in 1862. In order to raise the stone during the construction, a pulley system was used, operated by a donkey walking down Hammett Street, which you've just walked up. When the work was complete, the donkey was hauled to the top of the tower to admire the view it had created. Were his opinions preserved for posterity? <laughs> How about this? Yep. Taunton's first known fire engine was housed in the church in 1734. Good, good fact, yeah. Probably to rescue the donkey. <laughs> the tower houses 12 bells and a clock mechanism. Just to let you know, two of the hammers in the mechanism aren't striking. <laughs> Very good. How did you know that? The thing is, sometimes these things just come to me. Yeah. My brain perhaps just picks up the signals from somewhere. Just... You've got a router in your head. I've got Google Maps in my ears. <laughs> Either that, or you're just reading the notes I printed out for you earlier on. Hmm. The tower was once described by Simon Jenkins, journalist and authority on English churches, as being the noblest parish tower in England. The tower itself was, is a ready brick construction, and then the adjoining church, which we're now walking around the side of, is a honey mustard colour. It's a nice contrast. Isn't it? Yeah. We're just walking around. We're in the graveyard proper. Phil, you should brace yourself for a little on-site archaeology. I'm, I, going to... I'm bracing. Okay. okay. You're clenching quite severely there. Yes, it's, it's starting to hurt, so get on with it. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm going to do like a Tony Robinson-esque run around the graveyard. If you're ever in St. Mary Magdalene Church graveyard, you'll be able to see the remains of the defences of the town. In this direction over here... Off he goes. Goodness. Listeners, you should see this. He's, he's sprinting into the graveyard. This whole bank here. He looks a little bit like... Uh, see that arm movement? Keep up, Phil! <laughs> Annika Rice in Treasure Hunt. Soul Bank here is the line of the town defences which have been uh, defending Taunton since about the 11th century, but was most recently redug in the Civil War period, English Civil War. Taunton was parliamentarian, which is why Charles II destroyed most of the castle. Ah. The ditch itself is truncated at the end by a wall, which is where we're headed now because we're going to exit the surrounds of the graveyard, and you can see the scale of the defences, Phil. There we are. There we are, that's the St. Mary Magdalene Church. Our next destination, point number five, is a little different. It's an entire road. It's East Street, and it'll take us a few minutes to get there. Away we go. So I'm a little bit out of breath after oh, that, after that running. Off he goes. We've just been passed by a chap on a mobility scooter. 
It had learner stickers on the front and an American license plate. Is that, is that a bylaw in Taunton? <laughs> Not as far as I know. He was going at a, a, a quite a speed. That mobility scooter must have been de-restricted. It might have had a petrol engine on it. <laughs> Didn't Lewis Hamilton start out on de-restricted mobility scooters? <laughs> His granddad taught him, yeah. The lesser-known Formula Scooter. once went to a um, cider farm. Farms in the surrounding countryside of Somerset usually sell two bits of produce, eggs and cider. And the cider usually comes in an unmarked tan plastic jerry can, you know. Anyway, it went once with my brother and the guy in there, he had two huge vats of cider. One said sweet, one said dry. He said, right, there's three ciders to choose from, lads. You can have dry, medium or sweet. And uh, me and my brother said, well, what's the medium? You just mix the sweet and dry together. And he went, yep. <laughs> So we had a tin of that, and uh, we were on our way. We're walking now onto East Street. From Tancred Street, uh, we're going to turn right onto East Street and walk back towards the town centre. It briefly on East Reach, actually. Very briefly. So very briefly onto, yep. on East Reach, and then onto East Street. It's almost an immediate transition. There's a, what looks like a Chinese restaurant across the way, which used to be a nightclub that had various names. I think the last one I remember, it was called Shout and people did shout shout please let me out more karaoke <laughs> we're going to stop here and talk about some of the things we can see on east street gray's arms houses directly in front of us across the road from us indeed we've seen many an arms house but these are special for two reasons these arms houses were founded by robert gray in 1635 all normal so far you may think but special reason number one coming up it still has its chapel attached with the original painted ceiling. And I've seen that painted ceiling and remarkable it is too. It's a sky scene changing from night to day and all the colours are original. And special reason number two, one former female resident went to sleep every night in a coffin <laughs> because she didn't want to be handled after her death, exclamation mark. <laughs> is that from the guide? That's from the guide, yes. <laughs> I see it must be a religious theme, but what's the... Do you know anything about... Have you, have you heard of this? I've never heard of that, no. Religious. I mean, you're looking at me like it's one of my relatives or something. Mad Auntie Peggy. She loved that coffin. There's the almshouses, so we're carrying on down East Street. And on our left, we're just passing the Phoenix Inn. A large uh, white building. It's now a Costa Coffee. It looks a little Georgian. Used to be the Phoenix Inn, you say? Yes. It was run from 1885 until his death by John Gill, England's first lion tamer, under the name of Manchester Jack. Manchester Jack's quite a cool name, isn't it? It is a good name, it's yeah. Birmingham Bob doesn't quite have the same ring to it. We're exactly halfway up East Street now. and We're they're quite close together, aren't they, these, these three? And directly across the road from the first, the first Lion Tamer's old house is the Perkin Warbeck pub. It's a, it's a Weatherspoon. It's a bit of a legendary pub in Taunton. It is rumoured to be the longest bar in Europe. Wow. Yep. I don't know whether that's true. Many a patron has shouted at a barman from a long way away. It may not hold the record for the longest bar in Europe, but it certainly holds the record for the fewest bar staff per metre of bar in Europe. Perkin Warbeck was a pretender to the throne of Henry VII. The only thing I know about Perkin Warbeck was he had a ship called the Cuckoo. <laughs> it's, it's slightly ironic. Yes, it <laughs> he, is, tried yeah. to, he tried to infiltrate the nest, but he himself was pushed out. <laughs> That's a very nice uh, 
anthropomorphic analogy for Perkin Warbeck. Uh, while incarcerated, uh, there's ah, there's two gentlemen standing outside the Perkin Warbeck who, yes, hello. Testing one, two, one, two. Oh, yes, go on. What are you doing, mate? We're, we're recording a podcast. What, what is it for? The history of, history of Taunton. That's rubbish. Why not? Why do you do better than that? Got you've, got the, you've got the world listening. You've got to do better than that. Come on. Are you spirit? That's very good. <laughs> a little better, a little better. Cheers, lads. I'll see you later on. Cheers. Two gentlemen standing out uh, having a cigarette at the front of the Perkin Warbeck pub there, sharing their thoughts with us on this Friday afternoon. And that was East Street. We're going to continue on to the end of the road to our final destination today. It's a five minute walk through the centre and down the high street. It's Vivery Park. Let's go. We're, uh, we're making fast tracks to Vivery Park now. We're walking down Taunton High Street. There's a few market stalls out on the high street today. Could we get, ask you a few questions? Hey, come on. It's, it's, come about, on. <laughs> it's about the, the battle. We're, we're walking around the history of Taunton. So have you heard of the bloody Azizes? Yes. Do you know much about it? Is it just something that's in the folk memory? Oh, goodness. The folk a, memory that was of... a confident point. Yes. I do because I've taught it. Oh, really? Oh, are you a teacher around here? Yeah, I'm a it's... teacher in a school in Somerset, and we, we cover the Monmouth Rebellion, and of course that covers the bloody sizes as well. We were in the museum today learning all about it, and Judge Jeffries. What do you know about Judge Jeffries? Oh, he was a, a very cruel judge. He had lots of, lots of people killed. Are you from Taunton? No. No. Yeah, no, but... Um, if you go out to Westerns Island, you can, there's the, in the church there, there's a big display, lots of information, and then you can actually walk out and see where the Battle of Sedgemoor took place. Wonderful. Good stuff. Thanks very much. What are your names? Jill. Jill and? John. John. Jill and John, thanks very much. Isn't there a nursery rhyme written about you two? Most probably. <laughs> <laughs> Jack and Jill, I think, actually. Sorry, yeah. Thank thanks you. very much. We've just entered Vivery Park. The sun is still out, a few flower beds, and we're going to stop just up ahead here on the right, past the fir tree, at the fountain, which is pretty much in the centre of the park. The birds are out singing in the trees, and there's a gentle zephyr blowing through the park. We've dropped anchor in the middle of Vivery Park, next to the fountain. It's a large 19-acre park. The name derives from the area's historical use as a vivarium, which comprised two fish ponds kept by the bishops of Winchester since at least 1207. That's a long way to go if you want a fish dinner. A <laughs> hundred miles for cotton chips. Manuscripts dating from the 1360s show that the vivarium covered some 70 acres and provided fish for banquets. And the ponds, one of them was where we're standing and the other one was just to the south of here on what is now the golf course. I can't, I can see the bowling club. Where's the, just, the golf club? Just oh. to the left, across the little stream through the trees. <laughs> right. You can, you can see a few golfers yes. putting away. I think it's, yeah, we can still see Ernie Els. He's on the, on the, fir <laughs> the first hole still putting. <laughs> He's still that, going. <laughs> that's a reference to people listening in the future, perhaps. Uh, yeah. It's now the day after uh, the first day of the Masters golf tournament. Mm. 
where Ernie Els had a shocker on the first hole and carded a, a 9 or a 10. It's <laughs> unclear exactly what he carded, but that's, I think, the worst ever opening hole for a Masters tournament. Poor Ernie, he's a legend. Yeah, poor, poor Ernie's got the yips. He's got the yips badly, yes. Mm. So looking at the, uh, the golf course, if we turn 180 degrees, mm. we can see over the hedgerow the Jalalabad Barracks, which was built in 1881 to house the Somerset Light Infantry. That brings us back to the Somerset Light Infantry. We started the walk talking about their Burma Memorial in front of the old market house in the centre of town. Yes, indeed we did. The Jalalabad Barracks is a large red brick building in the Gothic Revival style, and only the keep remains. Must, it, have been, it, must have been quite a size. It must have been absolutely enormous. I've heard this being described as the, the fortress, Gothic Revival style. There are two towers bridged in the middle by a large wall with Jalalabad written at the bottom. And now I think it's private residences. Uh, the barracks are named after the Battle of Jalalabad, in which the regiment took part. The Battle of... Oh, one of... Hang on, I was going to tell you about the Battle of Jalalabad, but one of my notes is blown away on the Zephyr. Thanks, Phil. Running around like... Tony Robertson yourself now. Uh, the Battle of Jalalabad in 1842 was an Afghan siege of the isolated British outpost at Jalalabad. It was part of the first Anglo-Afghan war between the British East India Company and Afghanistan from 1839 to 1842. It's part of a series of conflicts commonly grouped together under the name The Great Game between the British and Russian empires for power and influence in Asia. It lasted approximately from 1813 to 1907. It sounds like a, a huge game of risk, but with real people. <laughs> well, it, yes, because if, if you take and hold Asia in risk, you get seven armies a turn. What? <laughs> it would be a what great does strategy. What does that mean? If, if you're not a, an avid risk player, I feel I've rather sullied <laughs> the end of the walk by making a joke that 98% of the people won't understand. Yes, I've only played risk once at Christmas, and I lost very badly. <laughs> very badly let's just leave it at that so from us here at the end of our walk in uh, wonderful Taunton thank you and goodbye I'm off he's Phil I'm come going. back I'll teach you the rules that was Taunton the full interview with Tom Maybury will be available on our website at agoodwalkspoil.co.uk and on our SoundCloud because of time constraints we had to cut a lot of it out so it's well worth a listen and don't forget to get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at GWS pod we'll see you next time on a good walk Spoiled, where we're off to Bath for a Georgian special see ya bye <laughs>